potatoes fight these battles in a bottle with their paddles, and the bottles in a poodle, and the poodles eating noodles. They call this a muddle puddle, treedle poodle, beetle noodle, bottle paddle battle. This man is a genius. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Crema. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Glad to have you with us. We are here for the hour. We are visiting today with Christopher Renstrom once again. Always a great time when this acclaimed astrologer joins us. He is appreciated and read and studied internationally. And we get to have him on our show. We are privileged. We are. We are very lucky. But seems, before then... Seems like I'm missing somebody in there. Uh... Oh, it could be a, a bad boy. Bad boy, Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, how are you, sir? Ah, see, you just got luckier. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do it without me. That's right. <laughs> Nothing Literally. happens without you, Benny. Nothing. Aww, so that job. that is excellent. One quick comment from Benny, who is our sports aficionado oh, in-house, providing his counsel and up to the minute updates of what's going on. For example, with... The Major League Baseball work stoppage. There's a lockout. The Mariners are ready. Their cleats are burning, ready to take the turf. What's going on here? No clue. I mean, I'm I'm looking at other leagues to go watch the games. I don't know. I haven't really been following too close. I wish they would never do stuff like this, to be honest. I mean, it's sad. It really yeah, is. Yeah, I think it hurts the game. I yeah. Really do. And so, obviously, there's other, um, I guess, leagues, minor leagues. They're going to probably get a few more butts in the seats, uh, which is good mm. for them. You know, uh, it's just it's just unfortunate. Yeah. You know, it really is. Yeah, I'm still watching hockey. Hockey season is not yeah. an end. Well, hockey is forever. Hockey is timeless, <laughs> <laughs> and and we'll see who's going to do what. I honestly don't know as far as the NHL goes. I mean, the Bolts are playing well. Uh, Suzanne and I live in Sarasota, Florida, so we're an hour away from the the lightning and all the magic they make happen on the ice. But you never know. There's when you wear the crown, it always rests uneasily because everybody wants to snatch it we'll see what goes on with yeah that. and i hope the mariners do well my great dream of course as we wrap up this little segment is that the seattle mariners will be a cinderella team uh, if it's not this year sometime soon wouldn't it be lovely to see the seattle mariners go to the world series for the first time it's the holy grail of baseball in the Pacific like, Northwest. It's going to be like the Cubs. It'll just take 108 years. We're going to go berserk. We're going to go ridiculously <laughs> berserk. I mean, like, I, I may not come to work. You may not have a, a engineer that day. No. That oh, is quite goodness. possible. Uh, we'll go hang out at the game. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Benny. Always glad to have you with us. And real fast, and, hey, can I jump in since we're doing sports talk? Yes. We got next. Yes. Okay. It's in the news again. Sonics possibly coming back. There's a been oh a lot. Goodness. There's a lot of hubbub going around. Oh wow! Yep. Well, Seattle. Seattle will be a real sports. Town oh well, again. gone Woo! are the days of the man from Oklahoma. I don't there, want to talk about bought the Sonics, and people <laughs> say, "Well, do you plan to move the Sonics to no. Oklahoma?" And he goes, "Uh, no." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that guy. It, it wasn't convincing then. <laughs> so if the Sonics come back, well, that would be pretty cool. I think so. In the too. meantime, oh, my stars and garters. We've got Christopher Renstrom with, from his Rocky Mountain, the Wasatch Front Redoubt in Salt Lake City. <laughs> we have Christopher Renstrom. We love to talk to this man. He is 
so brilliant. He, his accuracy is renowned, and he knows a bunch of stuff about astrology, too. He does. Christopher Renstrom is the creator of RulingPlanets.com, an online astrology site based on his best-selling book, Ruling Planets. He currently writes the daily horoscopes for the San Francisco Chronicle and SFGate.com. Renstrom also lectures on the history of astrology in America from pre-revolution to modern times and runs Ruling Planet workshops around the country. I am also holding his other book, The Cosmic Calendar, Using Astrology to Get in Sync with Your Best Life. For the 25th time on Manson Mitchell, 25, a quarter, a quarter. We are so thrilled to have Christopher Renstrom on with us. Hello, Christopher. Hey, how are you? <laughs> oh, oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, the crowd goes wild. Everybody is so happy you're back. <laughs> Christopher, we're always delighted to have you with us. Why don't we start out making it a soft intro to this interview. Tell us what's been going on with you lately in your world and in the astrological community of which you are an integral part. It's a simple uh, question. Yeah, I was like, um, well, uh, what's going on in my world personally? Um, yes, is yes. We, we actually just launched um, the uh, Cosmic Calendar Workshop on astrology, oh. And uh, that's still available for people to enroll in. It's a three-week online course, which is a compliment to the book. And um, just I, I just have to say I'm so blown away with it. I mean... The production values that Astrology Hub, which is run by Amanda Poole Walsh, have brought to this is really extraordinary. And we've just have had this amazing um, enrollment, but it's still uh, it's still available. Uh, so so you don't have to be live or anything like that to see it. Um, it shows up in your module. You can watch it whenever you like. And there's also three weeks of Q&As uh, where we address uh, the issues that, that are brought up in it. And, and the first module is ancient civilizations and astrology. So it's all about mm. how um, astrology appears in civilizations that are very different from ours, um, has since ancient time. And basically it's backing up the premise, which is, Astrology isn't a science, astrology isn't a religion, but astrology is a calendar. And that's what we get into, how to turn your personal chart into uh, your own personal calendar, according to uh, the stars and the alignment of the planets in your chart. I can see where people would want to be part of this online course, because when Gary and I got your book, The Cosmic Calendar, and I read it through, and then I went through it a second time, and I created the cosmic calendars both for Gary and for me. The cosmic calendar is very personal. You can, yeah. you can read the horoscopes, but you can create a calendar. For instance, with my Aries birthday, I know that spring is my season, and I feel it. I mean, we're coming up on spring at the end of March, and it's just in my bones, Christopher. I just know this is my my season to get things done and, and to have all kinds of new projects going on. And you show in the cosmic calendar for each individual person, you know, where their strong times are. Where is when is it time to relax? When is it time to be active? When is it time to just uh, think about things and you know see how they all went? I mean, I just I love this, and I can see where an online course like that 
that's tailored to each individual person and their own calendar would be very, very valuable. So glad you're doing that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Thanks. Yeah. All kinds of excited about that. Now, now to get on to something more cosmic. More, yes, we, more we, cosmic. We had, more uh, cosmic. <laughs> we, we had on a numerologist, our favorite hmm. numerologist oh, okay. was on with us. And he made a claim that if you looked at numerology over the millennia, uh -huh. that there have often been wars in numerological year sixes uh -huh. and gary and i were have talked about this several times and gary and i said we need to ask christopher if numerologically we see this war in a year six what are the planets saying are they agreeing or disagree and if they agree how are they agreeing that this is a year for war um, you're talking about the current situation, right? I am the current situation. Yes. Um, well, it's 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 very incendiary right now upstairs in in the sky. Um, because because we have had Pluto in the zodiac sign of Capricorn since the end of 2008-2009, and um, that by itself doesn't really say much of anything, but. Pluto is an eruptive planet. In fact, it's the planet that was associated to the underworld, and it's the planet that uh, in ancient astrology was actually associated to volcanoes, volcanic eruptions. So Pluto as an energy can be very dormant unless it's triggered by certain other planetary uh, transits that are, that are going on. For the past number of years, we've had Mars go through Capricorn, and that's a very big deal because every planet has a dignity in a zodiac sign. For instance, a planet can be sort of pumped up, you know, like exalted when it's in a sign, or a planet can be like, meh, I don't know what I feel like doing today when it's in a sign. Okay, so the different temperaments of the planets come out in, in the sign. Mars, however, is exalted, uh, meaning pumped up, okay, when it's in the zodiac sign of Capricorn. What happened with this one, and it began in December, is that Venus turned retrograde in Capricorn at the same degrees that Mars was going to be traveling over with Pluto. And Venus is the planet that rules over truces, pledges, betrothals, peace treaties. Okay. And so Venus was moving backwards. And that's already something that makes astrologers nervous because a backwards Venus in the sky means a breaking down of betrothals, a breaking down of peace treaties, a breaking down of truces, a breaking down of pledges. Okay. This lined up in such a way um, uh, yesterday <laughs> uh, where Mars and Venus both conjoined Pluto, but this is also Mars's last time that it will conjoin Pluto in our lifetime. In fact, this is the last time that Mars really? will conjoin Pluto for another 247 years. Wow. So this is one of those things that really captures the attention of astrologers. I mean, you can have these cycles. Okay, here's a war here, here's a battle here, or whatever. But this sort of thing, the fact that it was conjoining Pluto at the same time that Venus coming out of her retrograde, which had already shown disrepair in terms of pledges, betrothals, treaties, ceasefires, the two of them together and Mars's final conjunction for another 247 years really 
well as we could see yesterday. I mean, it doesn't happen on just the day. What you have is a run-up of the energy. Right. We've right. seen the run-up of the energy for the past few weeks, but yesterday is when it really peaked. And yesterday, you know, who could who could escape the news? I mean, there, yeah. there it is. And so, um, you know, Mars rules dogs and that comes from the idea of let loose the dogs of war uh in 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 astrology so what has been let loose are uh virtually um and and physically the dogs of war and this also corresponds with the pluto return in the united states of american chart so this is an extraordinary time in the world it's an extraordinary time uh for our country uh right now you, when you mentioned Venus, you talked about Pluto, Mars, and Venus, but mm-hmm. but Venus is going to move a lot faster than 247 years. So, uh, no, no, no. What no? What it is is Pluto is the right. one taking 247 mm-hmm. years to come back to Capricorn. I got that. When yeah. when is Venus going to be out of the picture? The oh, Venus, and Mars, Venus and Mars both step out of their conjunction to Pluto um, on March 6th. So that March actually, 6th. so relatively soon. Yeah. Okay. But see what we're seeing a buildup of is this energy in Capricorn. And so when you look at this lineup in Capricorn, uh, we've seen it right for the last two and a half years with, with, um, mm-hmm. with COVID and the shutting down of the world and all these sorts of things. What you naturally do as an astrologer Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. Okay, we just had Saturn and Capricorn, Saturn, Saturn, Aquarius. You go back 30 years. Uh, last time Saturn was in Capricorn and Aquarius. And what you find 30 years ago is the collapse of the Berlin Wall, the collapse of the Soviet Union. You know, all of th- these all basically planted the seeds to what we're seeing right now. People may not know it outside of astrological circles, but Russia is in its first Saturn return, okay? Mm. Russia had its first, because Russia becomes Russia 30 years ago, okay? Okay. Before it's the Soviet Union, all right? So Saturn in Capricorn and Aquarius is always the disheveling or the the unwinding of a civilization or or society, wherever those particular planetary uh, uh, transits occur. And 30 years ago, it was Russia, and right now it's Russia again, but it was calling into question NATO. It, it's basically Uranus and Taurus is all about redistricting. And we're having a huge redistricting, which is taking place right now. Um, the likes of which we haven't seen since uh, uh, the late 80s and, and early 90s. Yikes. I'm going to pull the covers up over my head and wait till it's all over. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will go ahead and nobody's going to hold you to an outcome, Christopher. We wouldn't want that done to us. So we'll hardly expect that of even as learned a person as you, but as best you can manage, please let us know in the next 60, 90 days as transits go and (laughs) seeing that the world in a sense is at war because the entire the entire Ukraine war that they didn't ask for, it's Putin's war on Ukraine, right. of necessity affects the entire world. Right. What do the configurations, the alignments look like 30, 60, 90 days in terms of resolving this terrible conflict before it gets much, much worse? Well, um, the switch to Aquarius, I'm hoping, you know, when Mars and Venus both enter Aquarius, 
really does open negotiations. I think that what we're seeing here, what we're seeing here is the last great war of this type, okay, is actually what I would go so far as to say. I feel like wars for now on after this are going to be uh, trade wars, and they're going to be fought through cybernetics, and they're going to be fought not really with boots on the ground. Um, What this is all about is the big question that Saturn and Aquarius has asked us, and Saturn and Aquarius has been asking us this question since 2020, which is, what kind of world do you want to live in? What kind of society do you want to live in? And so we're seeing all these competing versions. We're seeing, you know, an American and a NATO version of what the world should look like. We're seeing a Chinese version of what the world should look like. Uh, Russia's version, I'm not ready to say is a worldview. I think it looks more like a bar barroom brawl, um, which is, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think so, there's a plan behind it. But what you're seeing are all these different competing views of what kind of world do you want to live in? Because right now, technologically, resource-wise or whatever, we are dealing with the mortal questions of our planet. I mean, that's really where we are. There's no more, you know, and, and so wars cost a lot of money. Um, you know, people still sort of will bring, roll out that quote from Eisenhower about the military, military industrial complex or whatever, but yep. historically wars cost a lot of money. Trade doesn't. So I think uh, trade gets money. So I think with the sanctions and what's going on with trade, that's actually going to choke off um, the war eventually. You know, and I think it's actually going to change the way that wars are fought from now on. But but my area of concern really lies from May 25th to July 6th of this year. May 25 to July 6th. Yeah, that's and, my big that's my big concern for the coming year, because in, in so many words there, why that time frame? At that period of time, NATO was NATO has a birth chart. Okay, and and NATO is an Aries. Okay, and and Aries, as you know, is is the ruling planet is Mars, which is named after the god of war. Um, During this period of time from May 25th to July 6th, Mars will be traveling next to Jupiter in Aries. And so what has me um, concerned is that it, it's, it's like pouring gasoline on the fire, that w- it will exaggerate it. And the reason for my concern, I mean, that's my astrological concern. In addition to this, the reason for my concern is that so far from what reports are or whatever, the Russian troops are undisciplined. They're not targeted. There doesn't seem to be a plan. It's kind of almost like a feral dog or pack of feral dogs. And my concern is that, you know, they're going to cross over the boundaries that they've essentially been told not to cross over. And that will all be uh, perhaps triggered in that uh, May 25th to July 6th uh, period. I was hoping everything would be over by then. Wouldn't that be optimistic lovely? Optimistic that I am. And that's okay to be optimistic, but you're also a realist. And I think every one of us needs to be in this situation. Historically, there I don't think that, uh, well, people can take it however they want. I'll just say it. The Russian army, characteristically going back many generations, maybe centuries, has always been renowned for their comfort with brutality. They, if you, in World War II, 
the scariest thing you could say to a German national on their own land it, toward the end, the last couple of years of World War II, the worst thing you could say to them would be the Russians are coming right. because that meant utter destruction at Stalin's orders. Absolute, not a cow or a dog would be left alive. Complete scorched earth. Right. So it isn't like it isn't in their military culture. I'm not <laughs> saying national character. That would be far too presumptuous there. But when you talk about the characteristics of the Russian army and the way they look at warfare, brutality is definitely on the table anytime they're in conflict. Right. But we're also in a different place. I mean, we're also in a different place, which is how is Putin going to afford Ukraine after he burns it to the ground? Right. How's he going to afford it? <laughs> you know, I mean, he's basically inheriting a huge national debt. I mean, that's not where the thinking is right now, but eventually that's where the thinking is going to wind up. The other thing is that, again, we go back 30 years, the Russian military didn't fall uh, into line or didn't, the Russian military, let's say, did not defend the fall of the Soviet Union. There were cracks and fissures at that right. time, 30 years ago. And there are cracks and fissures that are showing up now um, as well. You have to have a lot of money to back this stuff. And from my understanding, you know, let's just put it this way. I don't think the oligarchs are investing in infrastructure. Okay, It's like, I don't think they're investing in the society itself. So where's that money going to come from? It's one thing to go and level Syria, you know, but it's another thing to go and level your next door neighbor and then try to annex it and make it a part of your country. That, that, that cost is infinitely higher. And these are the things that, believe it or not, do fall under the zodiac sign of Aquarius, which is how a society is governed. And, and a big part of the way societies nowadays are international societies. You don't have your country over in the corner of the world somewhere. Everyone is interconnected, not only through social media, but also through uh, financial uh, revenue streams and, 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 and circulation. Blood, it's like blood circulation in a body. And when money is like that yeah. blood, it's hard mm. to circulate with all of these sanctions. By the way, Christopher, um, we have many oligarchs. I don't have a finite number for you, but here in Florida, where I live, especially on the Atlantic coast, Miami you know, area, many, many oligarchs, and they seem yes. to favor the import export trade mm -hmm. there. So once, once they got their gains, ill-gotten or otherwise, once they have that money, they can count themselves very lucky because getting money and circulating money is going to become increasingly difficult in short order. So yeah. I'm thinking there, there must be some subterranean communication, for all I know, that the, the oligarchs are trying to find a way to communicate with a single-minded dictator in Vladimir Putin. Look, you're killing us, <laughs> Mr. President. You are killing us all this money, billions and billions of dollars, and we can't get at it. So there, there are internal pressures and there are the external pressures and even yeah. calls now with a 40-mile convoy sitting there running out of gas. Right. There, there are international calls for a no-fly zone. And some people say that will lead to catastrophe because inevitably we'll be in a shooting war with the Russians. Nobody right. needs that. Right. And, you know, so it, uh, 
I mean, again, we have to remember Pluto is the planet that's really been triggered here. So this is, Pluto has a long memory. It's named after the Lord of the underworld. So its view of the world is, is from underground. It looks at the roots of trees. You know, it looks at the roots of things. So Pluto is very much connected to agendas and seeds that have been planted years ago and how it's going to play out. But I bring up Pluto again because plutocracy, which means wealthy class comes from Pluto. And Pluto was indeed the god of riches because Pluto not only ruled over the dead, but Pluto ruled over gold and silver and and precious metals. And Pluto ruled over oil. So we're going to be seeing all of these Plutonian themes come forward. And I think, you know, the big economic shift um, you know, that that people have talked about, you know, is like coming, oh, we're going to shift to this and that and cryptocurrency or whatever. I think the big economic shift may be a decision made by oligarchs or people in power of like, you can't afford this war. So we're pulling the plug on it. <laughs> you know, it's like. And, and how can Pluto be so high and mighty? It's lucky it's even a planet. <laughs> 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 for, for, for such a small planet, that planet, yeah. I have to tell you, <laughs> and I will get this, so we're going to go to our break here in a minute, but I have always understood Pluto to be one of the so-called generational planets. Mm-hmm. So does that mean, Christopher, that whatever is going on, whatever shapes up, plays out over a long period of time that you could measure by the generation? uh longer actually than 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 even the generations pluto has an orbit of you know somewhere around 247 years to go through all 12 signs so you have to quarter that and it's a whole complicated mathematical formula but 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 its effects are very very long lasting and deep they're not transitory or ephemeral we have been put on notice So we're going to be paying close attention and don't be surprised we get another invitation here sometime between the May 25, July 6 timeframe, because now you've really captured our imagination with that epiphany. Christopher Renstrom is our guest, our honored guest of this hour. We haven't even gotten to his horoscopes. That's a tradition with us. But when we come back, we're going to get through all 12 of them. And it won't take a generation either. We'll do it. We'll have a few (laughs) insights coming from Christopher. We'll tease those out of him. And more about his workshop and anything else he wishes to promote when we do the marketing piece on the other side of this short break. We are Manson Mitchell. Thank you for joining us. We will be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. 
Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Mance and Mitchell welcome astrologer Christopher Renstrom with the significance of current planetary alignments, and we'll read your horoscope. On Saturday, Mary Beckman sits in the guest host seat for a discussion on agreeing to disagree with Mosey Mae Huggings and Aaron Twinbear Houtman. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Mance and Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Some people know a good thing when they hear it. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our very special guest for the 25th time. We, the, in fact, the other thing that I didn't mention is that this month marks our 15 years on air. How about that, Benny? 15 years. Woo! Yeah! Ow, ow! Okay. And most, of those with, <laughs> most of those with Benny, he didn't start out with us. No, no. We, so we had Eric Ryder. We had Eric Ryder. We he's uh, all right. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Mike. We had Benny. <laughs> oh yeah, Eric was dude. the guy at the board. Yeah. You see, you want a player, you get Benny. Er- Eric now is one of those suits. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna end. I'm gonna cut that out. <laughs> I'm, gonna I'm gonna soil his hands on those knobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. So uh, obviously, Christopher Renstrom has been with us more than once a year since we've been on 15 years, and he's making his 25th visit today. And that's because we do like our astrological conversation and feel like we always learn a lot. We're taken to school when he comes here. And every time he's here, I make a page worth of notes to look over and tuck into his books. So uh, happy to have you with us today, Christopher. Um, I mentioned earlier, let's mention again, your website is rulingplanets.com, an online subscription service. What can people get if they do that online and, and repeat what you said earlier about your course as well. Sure. It's um, $1.99 a month for the subscription, $22 a year. You, you save a month. And um, basically what you will get is your daily horoscope, your weekly horoscope, uh, cosmic alert, uh, giving you the heads up of upcoming uh, uh, planetary transits that may impact you. And um, you also get access to material that uh, first appeared in my uh, first book, Ruling Planets, uh, which is out of print right now because it basically sold out of its of its run. And so you can access uh, or find out what is your ruling planet, what it's, what it's like to be born under your ruling planet, and and what that means. A ruling planet is basically a planet that rules your zodiac sign, and it acts as a patron saint, corporate sponsor, den mother, and life coach all wrapped up into one. And so those are all things that you get to explore when you get onto the website. And- okay. 
And the new book is the cosmic calendar. And for that, you're doing a three week online course. And I think I heard you say earlier that it's not a zoom course, but you can go in when it works for you to go in and, and access the course. Have I got that right? Yeah, you basically enroll in it. Uh, what you want to do is go to astrologyhub.com, uh, which is which is really a sort of internet television network for astrologers. It was founded by Amanda Poole Walsh. Uh, she has an extraordinary uh, pool of talent and community of astrologers that she works with. Uh, right now, you just go to astrologyhub.com and you can enroll in the course and it's a three-week course. And the first uh, takes you into ancient civilizations and astrology, basically how every uh, civilization on this planet, whether it was a major civilization or not so major civilization, created some form of astrology. It was in order to tell time. And this sets up uh, modules two and three, which break down astrology in a very simple way puts astrology back into a calendar mode, because that's really what astrology is. So instead of trying to remember those signs and where it goes with planets and things like that, you see it more like a calendar, you see it like a year. And so it walks you through why astrology is like a calendar, what each of the uh, what each of the zodiac signs means. And then in the last part, you don't have to know that much about astrology, uh, which Suzanne, you 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 might have you know. Yes. Hopefully, that's what you felt when you read the yes. last section. Right. Of the it's how to turn your own personal chart into your own personal the calendar. Calendar. Yeah. So that you're yeah. working with good times versus not so great times of year, and you can sort of time everything to that personal flow and rhythm. Yes, very good. And that's one of the reasons I really appreciate the cosmic calendar using astrology to get in sync with your best life, Christopher Randstrom. Gary, we got to get to those scopes. I think I'm going to do with your permission, I'm going to do all 12. And then Holy we'll, moly. And we will get into them. We can go back. Never did that before. Just like tests. I don't know about Christopher. He would have wonderful study habits. But I was always told, look, if you can't figure out the problem. Now you don't have the answer. You might access it later. So go on and then you can come back to it later. Okay. Hopefully by the time the SAT is over and your eternal fate is sealed. So here we are with let's Friday, March 4. We are marching forth. March Friday, 4th. March 4. We're going to get to all of you folks. Let's start right at the top. Aries. Hello you'll feel an immediate boost in spirits thanks to the moon in Aries. This is the day to get out and do. I can, we can come back. We'll circle back to that one. Something to be pointed out there. Taurus, a friend comes clean about a mistake. Assigning blame isn't important, but finding a way to ensure it doesn't happen again is. And Gemini, be bold about finances. It's time to cut away the deadwood and plant seeds for future endeavors. Cancer, it makes sense to react heatedly when protecting loved ones, but don't go overboard. Your lunar nature isn't built to sustain such fiery emotions. And Leo, heads up, Leos. Ambition is blinding you to the reciprocity of give and take. What's good for you should benefit others as well. It makes your success last longer. And Virgo. Wow. Okay. Do we know any Virgos? Yeah, well, at least one. This okay. is something. A reshuffling of personnel 
forces you to work with someone you don't respect. Make the best of it because you may learn to appreciate characteristics you derided before. Heavy hmm. duty. Yeah. Libra, being a go-between is what you do, but you're not always recognized for your subtle bridge building. You will soon receive overdue praise. And Scorpio, used to taking unpopular stands, you're surprised when you meet with a receptive audience. Evidently, the herd mentality isn't as entrenched as all that. Sagittarius, not everyone will be singing your praises like critics, but this is your moment to shine and for others to grouse. <laughs> Capricorn, someone can have good intentions but lack the means to bring them about. Be forthcoming with helpful suggestions, especially since you stand to benefit. And Aquarius, for years you had to make do with a little. Now you'll have to learn to make do with a lot. This should be a nice change of pace. And finally, Pisces. It isn't easy recognizing your true power, especially when you see life as a series of compromises. Maybe it's time to stop diluting yourself. So Christopher, much how does that sound when somebody reads your horoscopes to you? <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> I'm glad that they, that they read well out loud, you know. And they do. Are, are any of those that really kind of jumped out at you, Christopher, that you wanted to say more about? Um, I'm sure more about all of them, but like, are there a couple that were really like ringing bells? Well, what I would jump out and say is how much do we love the word grouse? <laughs> Yes, I love that. Stop your grousing. <laughs> and that's honestly, that's one of the things I love about hearing them read out loud is like, you know, is, is that occasional word that's got a great vowel sound and that just yes. really says it all. Yes, yes. <laughs> I wanted to circle back to Aries here, Christopher, because it, it says you'll feel an immediate boost in spirits thanks to the moon in Aries. This is the day to get out and do. Moon in Aries then we're still in Pisces, but there's a moon in Aries. There, it just suggests to me that there might come the lucky happenstance where the sun is in Aries at some point and the moon is in Aries and there's a double down effect, but that's not what we're looking at here because Pisces and Aries are very different signs. Yeah, well, what it is is that the moon is the fastest moving planet in astrology. And so when you remember that um, planets are really like hands on the face of a clock. The moon is really like a second hand. It's it's the one that's moving the swiftest. Um, there's been a lot of pressure that Aries has been feeling, um, sustained pressure. And what can happen, uh, you know, when you're when you're a sign that's kind of taking a lot of pressure, or maybe in some ways punishment, um, is that that change of moon can give you a respite. It can give you a sort of like. <sighs> You know, and, and you kind of get it for two days, <laughs> you know, then maybe it's back to the trenches or something like that. So with Aries, where, you know, it's really been dealing with the sun in Pisces, the Pisces is the sign before Aries. And so 
whenever the sun is in a sign before your own, there's that sense of like, all right, already, can we get there? Can we, you know, like, like, you know, mom, are we there yet? You know, there's this feeling that the sun is approaching your sign, but it hasn't quite gotten there yet, you know? And so if you're in Aries, for instance, you might be feeling really the slogginess of the sun in, in Pisces right now. So for, for the moon to move out of Pisces and in, into your own sign, that's like a break in the cloud cover. That's like, oh, you know, I feel this energy. This, this feels great. You know? So, 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 and, and you get that feeling for, for, a couple of days before you know it, it might go back to that sort of sun and Piscean uh, flavor again. So, so that's why I, you know, when when a moon changes signs or enters your own sign, that will bring a very quick boost of spirits. Kind of like having an energy bar after after a workout or something like that. You'll, I am going to make the most of it. You always do. You are an energetic worker, <laughs> renowned as such. And I get exhausted just watching you. All right. Oh, that's right. And it keeps, I feel kind of hungry in that regard because she's so good at what she does. I can't pick, can't pick up on that many mistakes and Virgos. We live to find those mistakes. Oh no, you did that wrong. You sing happy birthday to a Virgo. They tell you whoever is off key. (laughs) And speaking of which, since, since we've gotten that far, let me read it because it seems if not foreboding, it, it it certainly seems like an alert here for Virgo. We've got other Virgos, as I'm sure, out there. A reshuffling of personnel. Now, there, I'm not exactly in the workforce. You know, we do this. But for Virgos who've got to get in their car and drive someplace to earn money, I mean, think of it. A reshuffling of personnel forces you to work with someone you don't respect. Make the best of it because you may learn to appreciate characteristics you derided before. But in the grand scheme of things, Christopher, to be put in a position where perhaps, and I know this is going to be true of many people for whom this applies right now, they don't want to work with somebody. They may have actually undergone many machinations and worked very hard to avoid being in a work situation where they have to make common cause with someone they don't respect. What's going on there astrologically that all of a sudden you're dumped in this situation? Well, what's going on astrologically is that the sun right now is in Pisces. And so Virgos are kind of working at a disadvantage. Okay, when when the sun is in your opposite zodiac sign, that means it's farthest away from your sign. It's farthest away from when you are in season. In fact, you're kind of feeling out of season when the sun is in your your opposite sign. I read for a Virgo client the other day who's like, I can't stand the winter. You know, I'm like spoken like a true summer sign. You know, it's just, you know, it's that, you know, type of thing. But when you're not at an advantage, you're kind of like, you're kind of vulnerable to what other people want or what other people are, are saying. And so here we've got Mercury about to, the ruling planet of Virgo, about to transition from Aquarius to Pisces. So there's been a lot of reshuffling, uh, what I was sort of referring to earlier, redistricting in, in those uh, particular types of signs. And so Virgos might find themselves now having to work with someone that, that they didn't like before and they have to put up with it. You know, so what I was really trying to get there was bringing in the idea of a reshuffling and then also sort of finding yourself at a disadvantage um, but Virgos will find a way to make a situation work this is something that the mutable signs are really good at Gemini Virgo Sagittarius and even uh, Pisces 
uh, all four of them have a reputation for wanting to get out of something, <laughs> but, but, you know, if those exits are blocked and they've got no way of, of maneuvering around it, they, they will find, especially the Mercury signs, Gemini and Virgo, they will find a way to make the best of, of a situation. And what might be sort of uh, hidden here is actually, you know what, this person wasn't so bad to work with. And actually this person's a little bit more on the ball than I thought. So, hmm. And that is the hopeful note. You remind me when you speak this way of the classic Stoics wandering around Athens with this philosophy that, among many other things, encouraged us not to look for the escape hatch every time we run into a difficulty, but rather to hang in with it, to learn the lesson or to see what value that we might be able to extract from the situation rather than seeing this as like an oncoming a beast that we have to either kill, avoid, get out of the way. Right. It's sometimes it's useful for character building purposes to hang in there a while to see what the lesson is in your particular situation. Well, and what you also have in addition is is Mercury's always looking. Mercury ruled signs. Gemini and Virgo are always looking for compatriots. You know, they're always looking for buddies. You know, and and what you have here is the possibility of turning someone that you didn't really have good feelings about into a pal or at least into an ally in in a in a situation and mercury signs always respond very positively to to that that's incredibly relevant to my life right now i'm amazed and i'm paying attention that is for sure that's um, i'm wandering through here just wandering through the zodiac and i look at this um yeah, well, let's go down to Pisces. I mean, this is their time. Let's go ahead and get it out there again. It isn't easy recognizing your true power, especially when you see life as a series of compromises. Maybe it's time to stop diluting yourself. What catches my eye right away, Christopher, is that first phrase. It isn't easy recognizing your true power. My experience, and my moon is in Pisces, so I know what it is to be too easily discouraged, and you have to stand up to yourself in a certain way to say, look, we're going to see this thing through. But the Pisceans of my acquaintance are imaginative. They're lovely people. They have compassion for days. That's mm -hmm. a, a trademark of the Piscean. However, I have never associated true power or demonstrations of power being characteristic of Pisceans. If anything, the Pisceans of my acquaintance have, and I'm not damning you, I'm just noticing that they have this tendency toward escapism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that can be part of it. But we also forget that Pisces, we forget two things that make Pisces a very powerful sign. Uh, first of all, um, it has two ruling planets. I work with the modern planets as a ruling planet, has two ruling planets, which are Jupiter and Neptune. And in Greek mythology, these were the storm gods. So Pisces, when they go on a tear, can be very stormy and very loud and very, you know, thunderous. Okay, so there's that kind of power that they that they can have. Uh, the other thing is that Jupiter, which is the traditional uh, ruler of Pisces, was the planet of emperors. The sun was the planet of kings, but Jupiter was the planet of emperors. And what emperors do is that they collect kingdoms like cereal box tops to sort of build their empire. And when you think of Pisceans like Rupert Murdoch, for instance, the founder of Fox News, um, or Steve Jobs, uh, you know, the founder of Apple, how much they changed the world 
not only in terms of their vision, okay, and with Pisces, you're always talking about a vision, but also the way that they change the world financially, okay? So, so Pisces is actually a very powerful sign that's often, you know, kind of turned into Blanche Dubois in A Streetcar Named Desire, where, you know, it's like, I can't look at the illusions and keep that Chinese lantern away from me or something like that, you know, that they can't deal with reality. They're so delicate. Um, And there are some that are like that because Pisces, when you're talking about Pisces, you're always talking about a vision. And visions can be either hallucinatory or and, and escapist, or visions can be inspiring and creative. And that this is something we've got the two fish in Pisces, right? These are the twin impulses that Pisces struggles with. Well, I'm glad you said that because I think of um, Pisceans that I know as having a lot of imagination. Mm-hmm. But but you said something about um, they're not necessarily they they can be but not necessarily in realistic they can be kind of the dreamy s- or imaginative or in their heads but well it, what, what the, but what then the, you you named yeah. people who who yeah. really put the rubber to the road when you're talking about yeah. Steve Jobs and and uh, Roger Ailes was that the other one. And, uh, and, no, um, no, I'm sorry. Rupert uh, Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch. Murdoch, right. Okay, but and these are people who took that Piscean energy and and did something very concrete with it. And I guess I I don't think of Pisceans as concrete people, uh, as as uh, you know, carrying things out as much as they as the visionaries. They have the picture in their mind, but I don't always think of them as having the ability to carry those things out. And then you named some people who definitely have. Well, you also have to remember Neptune entered Pisces around 2011, 2012. So we've been living in a Pisces world since. And when you realize that Pisces is about magic, enchantment, it's about illusion, it's about images. Look at the way people are on their iPads, almost like mm-hmm. magic mirrors from the Middle Ages. Right. You know, the right. sorcery of, of yeah. images and icons and things that draw you in. Pisces is a very, very powerful, powerful energy. And when are we moving into Aquarius? Is that 2024 or 2023? 2023 is when we get our first real taste of Aquarius when Pluto uh, starts to starts to move into that sign. But we're already feeling... When you're dealing with the modern planets, modern planets are called modern planets because they're not the traditional seven. They're the planets discovered after 1781. Okay. Uranus is 1781, Neptune, and then Pluto. These are the slowest moving planets. So their effects take a long time to become recognizable. Okay. And a long time to subside. And in some cases like Pluto, they change the world you know in tectonic is that the word like they actually change the plates of the right of the world and 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 how it's going to be so we're already feeling pluto going to aquarius saturn aquarius gave us that flavor and it really is what kind of world what kind of society global village which is now such a quaint if not um laughable term (laughs) do you want to live in and this is paramount right now. And this is going to be shaping things from 2023 on. All right. Let me read Libra here. Sure. And I'll, I'll provide a bit of extra context here. We have a couple of minutes to go, Christopher. 
Libra for today. Being a go-between is what you do, but you're not always recognized for your subtle bridge building. You will soon receive overdue praise. Okay, October 7, 1952, the birthday of Vladimir Putin. Right, supposedly. Right, right. At least that from what we know now, receiving overdue praise. Is that what happens when you sit at one end of a 35 foot table? And I mean, to the point where it looks like a skit on Saturday Night Live. Dead. It you reminded know? me of Clint Eastwood and the chair from the Oscars. Those, those. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I was like, what is it with the furniture? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And perhaps we will uh, recognize in, in Vladimir his subtle build, bridge building. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah. It's such a bitter irony when we're, we're laughing. But I mean, if he really is a Libra, how do you get your mind around that? How do you get your mind around that if you're him? Well, what's extraordinary is how many people born under Venus, you know, um, Adolf Hitler famously is born under Venus, you mm. know. Vladimir Putin, if we're to believe the birth records, there's still a question as to whether that's really his birthday or not, you know, would be another one. And what that actually refers to is that Venus is a morning star. And by the way, Venus has been a morning star for the past number of weeks. If you go out before sunrise, you can see her. Okay, you can still see her. Um, Venus is a morning star in Sumeria, but more specifically in Mesoamerican. Um, astrology or records. Venus's morning star was seen as a bringer of war. Okay, mm. because she because in that particular position, uh, she was opposite Venus as an evening star. Venus as an evening star following the sun at night was was harmonious and peaceful. After the heat of the day emerges Venus, and so she was seen as peaceful and tranquil. But Venus as a morning star followed by the sun when it rises was seen as a bringer of war and pestilence, actually. But that's that's actually really underscored in, in Mesoamerican astrological literature. Oh my gosh, the, I just love this conversation and we are at an end for today. I grossly can't, ex- wait, yes. can't wait to have you back again, Christopher. Oh, anytime. And, and I grossly exaggerated. I must correct myself. That table is only 20 feet long. So that in that way, he's bringing <laughs> Russia together. All right. well, Vladimir is a short guy. Okay. <laughs> yes, he is. And our time is too short. We love every time you come and join us here, Christopher. We'll do this again soon in that time frame that I talked about earlier. So love it. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend and we'll talk again soon. All right. Have yourselves a great weekend, everyone.